Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Renee Marino, and she has just written a book or writing a book, which will be published in early 2022. And the title of the book is Becoming a Master Communicator, Beginning New School Technology, Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. Sorry, that was a wrong title. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> she is a professional communication coach. And she's going to talk more about her book. So, Renee, are you there? I am here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not have heard your background, can you talk about your background and what led you to write this book, Becoming a Master Communicator? Absolutely. For over 16 years of my life, I was a professional actor, singer, dancer on Broadway, in film, television. And I've always been obsessed, William, with communication. And I think it comes from my background. I grew up in an Italian American family. So it was very common for us to be sitting around the kitchen table, talking, eating, laughing, arguing sometimes, but nonetheless communicating and connecting. And because of that, all throughout my life, I was always intrigued with the way people communicated and why. And the years that I was recording music, I even created a song called Communicate, Go Figure. And then in 2017, I started doing my most recent Broadway show, which was Pretty Woman, the musical, just like the movie. And I had this idea to write a book. I've, I've always been a writer since five years old. It was one of my other passions. And after talking to my girlfriends in the dressing room about who's dating who and if, if they're bringing up conversations that are on their minds and just all this talk about communication, I said to myself, there's a book in this. And especially nowadays, as you mentioned, my title, Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity, that subtitle is really about the fact that we are now in this digital age, right? Everyone's with a smartphone. We're all connecting virtually. And it's such a beautiful gift. But if we don't learn to balance it, with those more personal channels of communication, like face-to-face, -face, picking up an actual phone to your ear to have a conversation or handwritten letters, right? Remember those? It, right. If, we don't, if we don't balance that, then we're in for problems. And I've faced it in my own life. I've witnessed it in my clients, in my friends, family. When we rely so heavily on technology, so many misperceptions happen, miscommunication and I'm sure you know as well as I, in life, everything starts with communication, business, personal lives. So that's really where, where the book developed from. Right. So, I mean, all this stuff is very important. And you're right. Like this technology, there's so many, you, you cite so many examples of miscommunications with texts and miscommunications with technology. There are dangers. And I've had those experiences myself. Like, what's this person doing? Where are they? Are they angry at me? I've spent days like that. Like, yes. So maybe we can talk about the hazards of this new technological age we're in, in, in as far as its uh, effect upon communication. Sure. When it comes to communicating virtually, we love it because it's convenient, right? If I need to shoot you a text real quick, William, you're going to get it in four seconds. Great. But we have to create boundaries for ourselves. And that is within the book. I have two chapters that are full of practices that you can implement today to help you get more comfortable with this. So for example, if you and I are going back and forth, we're really great friends and we're going back and forth 
texting one another. When it gets to the point that you're texting paragraphs to someone and the subject matter is serious or something that really needs to be dealt with in person or where you can hear the tone of someone's voice, that's a sure sign to say, okay, this texting needs to stop. I'm going to pick up the phone or I'm going to say, William, how about we meet for a coffee today? I'll meet you over lunch and we can talk about it then. The problems really start when we continue the text messages, we continue the email threads when they've gone far beyond the, the time that they should. When we are discussing matters that shouldn't be connect, you shouldn't be connecting over these matters if there's no tone, right? Email, right. text, there's no tone. Like you said, how many times, I'm sure all of the listeners can agree, have you sat there with your smartphone and someone texts you and they put an emoji and you're like, oh, why'd they use that emoji? Like, what's that about? Are they upset with me? Maybe it's because I said this, you know? And two hours goes by and you have wasted time, energy on what an emoji meant. In the book, I call this the three act play, which is the the drama that we put ourselves through, the the rumination that we put our minds through in asking ourselves, what could it be and why? Instead of having that direct communication and just saying, hey, William, when you text me that emoji, what do you mean by that? More right. often than not, the response is usually, oh, I was kidding around or I don't know, didn't even realize I put it there. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I've wasted hours of my life. I've wasted so much energy. I could have written another book. And here I was stressing out about something that didn't even matter. Right. And I mean, that's, that's, that's so important. The effective communication is so important because a face-to-face -face personal communication, you also get nonverbal clues that you cannot get through the modern technology. So like, that's a significant proportion uh, element of these communications in any circumstance, family, loved one, business relationship, anything like that being face-to-face. -face. So I think you make great points about getting off of these like uh, text and uh, emails and things like that. Um, you talk also kind of about the the technology affecting really old classic skills that we've lost, which is just basic writing or expression, just simple expression that we take for granted. A hundred years ago, the writing was so much better than now. Can you expand on that? Yes. It actually breaks my heart, William. I'm not kidding when I say this, that many schools don't even teach handwriting anymore. Like that was, of course, my favorite subject. I love like learning script. I can remember doing that all through my school years. And my sister-in-law is a guidance counselor. She's been one for about 10 years now in the high school. And I give an example um, in the book about how she said to me, Renee, it is such a lost art. And not only that, the, the kids in school don't know how to take proper notes because of that, right? When, when we were in school, I'm going to speak for the both of us, you kind of knew how to take notes because writing was a part of the curriculum. But now, not only is it not part of the curriculum, but with smartphones and the notifications going off and the distraction it pulls, it pulls the kids right out of what they were even trying to take notes on. And my sister-in-law has said, this is such a problem. It's such a problem for so many of their students. And I hear it all the time. I, I spoke to so many parents, teachers in researching for my book. And I'm telling you, it was like 98% of them agreed that 
children nowadays, children, young adults, they have lost the art of being able to write a complete sentence. And many people nowadays could say, well, it's no big deal, right? I have Grammarly. I can just figure it out online. But at the end of the day, don't you want to know that if you had to, for a job interview, write a paragraph about why you're the best person for the job, you want to be able to do that. Because what we write is a representation of us. When I write you a handwritten letter, William, that's a representation of, of my feelings towards you, right? It's a very personal it's a very personal skill. And the fact that it's becoming a lost art, it breaks my heart. It really does. It really is. It's really a loss. And you don't see it that often in these young kids writing in a very effective way into loved ones, family members, business people, expressing themselves effectively. It's A lot of it's choppy and they rely upon texting instead of kind of this classic element. And I think that goes to another point you make in your book, which is the loss of ability and to focus, but also another point of communication, which is actually listening, right? Listening is, I think, the most crucial part of, of being a master communicator. So, so often, especially nowadays, I mean, we see it everywhere. We're not listening. And uh, Stephen... Kobe, Kobe? Yep, absolutely. He talks about how so often we listen with the intent to reply and not the intent to understand. And that is such a common problem nowadays because we are all used to things happening fast, quick. I'm talking to you. I hear a notification go off. My focus has switched. We're task switch switching all day long. So when it comes to fully listening in a conversation, it's becoming um, less and less. The more technology gets advanced because our brains are now programmed. I say in the book, I say we are like, um, Pavlov's dogs, right? Conditioned to, to tune out the minute we hear a notification go off, the minute a, a, a new ad pops up on a on a link bar. And this is causing us to become um, much less much less apt to listen. And it's it's very much a problem because as you said, that is such a crucial part of communication. When I can sit here and fully listen to you and take in what you're saying to me without thinking, without focusing on myself, right? Not thinking about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to respond, but fully absorbing what you are sharing with me. It's a gift on, on both parties, right? I give you the gift for this open platform to be heard. And I give a gift to myself to possibly learn something, to, to experience a new perspective. And we lose these gifts when we are so consumed with ourselves. We're consumed with winning the argument or we're consumed with sharing our opinion. I don't care about you, what you have to say, but let me tell you what I know. Right. And we can see it, right? I think we can see it in the world right now. We see it in the news. We see it everywhere. No one is actually having a conversation. And I, I really believe, William, I, I believe it in my heart that this book is going to help so many people because breathing is very much, I'm sorry, communicating is very much like breathing. We don't often think about it until things go awry. You don't think about how you're breathing until you can't breathe and you're having an anxiety attack and you're like, <gasps> can't catch my breath. The same thing happens with communication. You go about your day communicating in the way that is most natural to you. And then you come across a block, whether it's a miscommunication through a text or your boss actually didn't get your email and is now 
having, you know, telling you that, oh, I feel like you're not working effectively. And meanwhile, you sent the email, but it went to spam. So we aren't conscious of how we're communicating in our relationships, personal and professional, until something goes wrong. So my hope with this book is that it's going to bring awareness to all of us to say, wow, well, do I do that? You know, do I do I check in on the phone after I've texted a friend for hours and, and check in and just be like, hey, are we good? Did you understand what I was saying when, when I text that? If we're not aware of that, then that is where, you know, we, we can in, experience a lot of heartache and a lot of miscommunication. Right. And I think that even the technology, you make a point too in the book that you, because you're on tech, you're missing the opportunity to properly communicate. Can you talk about how technology has inhibited people? I mean, the types of communication, like for me and my family, somebody's on the phone, you might as well be talking to a wall about yes. something even important. Yes. Oh, it's, and it's such a double-edged sword, right? I know my husband and I, we go through this all the time, especially the both of us are working from home. I have my own business. He is, is doing 10 different things at once. And a lot of that business is done through technology. So I'm on my phone, he's on his phone, and it takes a lot of conscious effort for us to be like, okay, that's it. Phone's away. I need to like really hone into you. How was your day? What's going on? You feeling okay? And with technology, the way that it has inhibited us is it makes it really easy for us to escape ourselves. And I say this all the time because I believe it so strongly. The most important communication that we have is within ourselves. And that sets the tone for all of the communication we have in our exterior relationships. So if we are not having honest conversations with ourselves, how am I feeling today, Renee? What's going on? What's, what's bothering you really? And taking the time to write about it, simply asking the question, how am I feeling? And then writing about it first thing in the morning can set your day off on such a positive way because you've now checked in with yourself first. And because of technology, what do many of us do? Eyes are open, grab for our phone. Yeah. On? We scroll, we scroll. And Brendan Burchard, who I love, talks about this. He talked about this in one of his podcast episodes. The danger in doing that is the minute we wake up, we're checking out of our lives and into someone else's. And what does that do, William? We go into comparison mode. We look at, oh, they're doing this. Man, I'm not doing well enough. They look so happy. I don't feel happy because we're comparing our real lives to this beautiful culmination of photos and videos that the other people have allowed us to see. Right. That okay. sometimes aren't even re a real disposition or depiction no. of their life either too. So no, absolutely. that's a whole nother thing. Like that's a false element of high tech communication too. It's like some of these Instagram models and stuff like that. These lifestyle people, they're not even living that real life. For sure. Oh my goodness. It's so true. And you know, I, <laughs> it's so it's so ironic because we have to remember i think it's so important for us to remember because so many people i mean the the depression rate has has elevated through all of this because again people are comparing themselves to what they think is real and we have to remember and i hope all the listeners remember this no one's taking pictures or videos of when they have just argued with their husband or their wife, or when they're in their room crying by themselves because they feel lonely and they feel confused. 
those aren't the pictures that are being put up in most cases, right? There are some incredibly authentic people, influencers who, who make it a point to show that side. And I love that. And I honor those people, but most of us are not doing that. So remember that the next time you compare yourself and you start to feel a little crappy about yourself, take a pause and say, okay, hold on. I'm going to remember what Renee said. This is not all as it seems. Right. And I mean, I think that's really important to see like this new school technology is distorting reality, whereas the old school simplicity is all emphasizing what's really important. Family, loved ones, relationships, communication, uh, authenticity. And I think you make that point. Like I've seen you talk about going and eating three hour meals in Italy. I've seen really sad things. We're going out to dinner and everybody's got a phone or an iPad. Oh and it just breaks your like I'm like, oh, man, this is terrible. This is really horrible. Maybe you can talk about some of the old school simplicity things that we may have forgotten in the high tech world. Yes. I want to first say this, William, because you just brought up a point that is so significant for me. This was one of I will never forget this day. This was one of the driving forces for me to write this book with this topic, because communication can be so broad, right? Communication, what kind of communication? But for me, it was so important to hone it in to this balance of new school with old school. I was out to dinner one day with a dear friend of mine and the two of us are catching up, having a great conversation. And next to us, it's a family of five. It was two you know, parents, husband and wife, a teenager, and then two young children. And I kid you not, the entire meal, no one spoke. Each of them had their heads down in a digital device. And even when the food came, they kept it in their hands. And I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say my heart broke. Because again, going back to my roots, what I'm used to, when you sit down at the table, that's when you communicate the most. You're talking, you're checking in with each other. And, and that's to me where I feel love. I feel community when I'm around the table and I can be eating with my friends and having that conversation. And there was none of that. And my friend and I, we couldn't believe it. You couldn't help but be aware of it. I mean, they were sitting right next to us. And I was just like, what a waste of time, right? This precious time that we are given. Life is so short. No one ever knows. And we have this gift to be with our family members and for two hours, they couldn't put those digital devices down. And the sad reality is we're becoming addicted. We're, we're addicted to, to, to picking up our phones, even when we're totally unconscious. I've done it. This is why I can write about it. For four seconds, nothing's going on. And I pick up my phone and I'm thinking, Renee, what are you doing? <laughs> so seeing this family was really um, what propelled me to write this book. But going back to what you asked about what old school simplicity qualities are we missing that, that we can still adopt? Number one is having the phone put away. A study show that even just having a phone out, like your cell phone out on the table, if you and I are out to lunch, proves to be a distraction, even if you're not touching the phone. It proves to be a distraction to the other person because you're aware of it, right? It's there. We know that at any second, an alarm could go off. Someone could be texting you and it changes the, the fullness of the conversation. So I would say first and foremost, having our phones put away when we know we're going to be meeting with a friend, a family member, take that time, put the phone away. 
also this element of slowing down, right? Our nervous systems have sped up. And as you, you just mentioned in the book, I talk about when my husband and I took our beautiful vacation to Italy, I felt it. Like I literally felt a complete shift just from having my phone away, only out when I took a picture and then put it away and sitting, eating meals amongst the Italians who are so leisurely in how they eat. They take their time. There's no rush for the bill. And I felt like my days were tripled. The time of my days was tripled. And then I come back to the States. I go back to my regular life and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm on my computer all day. I'm on my phone. I'm here. I'm there. And at the end of the day, I always find myself saying, where did the day go? What, how, how did this day already pass us? And it's because it, it feels like technology causes us to press the fast forward button on our lives. Yeah, I agree with that. But also, it also is that communication that you're using on technology as meaningful as these other forms of communication. So you may spend, I mean, at least in my, my situation, I'm on the computer all the time more important things are talking about children, why, you know, things like wife and doing that. And you should, you share that story of this 80 year old lady who remembers growing up with her family, yeah. uh, you know, and their time is nothing like what it is today. No distractions, not even a TV, dad's playing music, kids yep. are dancing. And it just kind of like juxtaposed with our current day, like where you've gone down a road. I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's that great. I mean, this whole technology. And I mean, yeah, like it's such I know, I know, William, I was just I was just speaking to someone else about this and uh, they were talking about how, you know, virtual reality and mixed reality that that's that's coming. Right. It's it's already here. And just recently I was with one of my little cousins, nine years old, and he had me put on these virtual glasses. Oculus I, I, or whatever. was it Yeah. Yeah. Or? Yeah. That thing. And I'm not kidding you. It freaked me out so much. It was absolutely incredible. But here I am in a living room and then I put on these glasses and I'm in like Egypt and I am in Egypt. Like I am there. I'm feeling it. I can see everything. And I was like, oh my goodness, people are not going to want to be in reality because if the virtual reality is so much better, then what happens to that human connection? Right, it's gone. It's like you're gone. in a matrix, like a permanent matrix. It's a disaster. It's a human yes. disaster for humanity. And I think that's a, like a under, you know, a subtext of your book is like we got to we'll get away from this technology and get back to the human things: writing, communicating, talking. Like we've lost even just to sit down and meal. So so many families don't even sit down and communicate over dinner, which used to be very much of a tradition. That I don't even know if it is anymore. People get fast food or don't even cook a meal. So that level of communication and, and interrelation is so important. It's so important. And, and here's here's the truth. We if, if we want to keep up with the times, we need to keep up with the times. Right. It's like I have a friend of mine. She's amazing. I don't know how she does it, but she's not on Facebook. She's not on Instagram. And let me tell you something. She's very happy. But. <laughs> the world's going there. So if, if we want to still be able to communicate in other ways, besides in the old school ways, we do have to 
keep up on current events, if you will. We do have to, I think, learn how to use the internet. I talk in the book about generations before us who are still not used to technology. It's important for the younger generations to take that time, sit down with your grandmother, your great-grandmother, show them how a video call works because it is important to understand how, how it all works. But at the same time, it's I keep going back to the balance. Right. It's the balance. It's not all one or all the other. It's balance because I want to be just as good communicating with you in a room, William, as I am behind this screen. I do. That's that's the goal. And that's actually what I teach, right? I have a connecting on camera course where I help people to bring their real selves to video. So that way, when they're speaking on camera, it's just like if they're speaking to someone in person. But if we don't understand how to really gauge both of these worlds, then we're in trouble because if we're either left behind because we're not involving ourselves in technology at all, or we're getting lost in the technology and we're allowing that technology to control us and to almost be the puppeteer with us as the puppet. Right. No, that's really important. And some of that's designed that way. You talk about Pavlov. I know people whose phone dings like, you know, 10 times, you know, every hour, ding, ding, ding. It's almost just like a bell or something at uh, a circus or something where they just are all over the phone. I don't know how they do it. So, I mean, that's called the technology ruling over you. But it's also like, I think the technology can become, you talk about it becoming, you can be, have a fake self or a mask. So if you have, if you as a communicator are encouraging people to be authentic, they have to also watch out for being inauthentic online. Would you agree with that? Yes. And, you know, one of my favorite sections in the book is, is where I talk about what I call keyboard confidence. And keyboard confidence is that confidence that you have when you are behind a screen and using that keyboard. But the trick is to be a master communicator, right? And that's that's the theme of this book, to help us all become master communicators, which is very possible to do. If we want to become master communicators, we have to have the same confidence we have behind a screen and on a keyboard that we do in person. And what I see, where I see the disconnect is people that I know on a very deep level. I will sometimes see a social media post of theirs and I have to look twice because I'm like, who wrote that? And what have they done with my friend? Because I know they would never, ever say that to someone in person. And a, a practice, which I, I share in the book, but I'll, I want to give to you all now is the way to help this is to say to yourself, before you're going to post something on social media, ask yourself, would I have the confidence to say this same thing in person? If the answer is no, great. Have a cathartic writing session, write it in your journal, put it away, and then just write the post how you would be comfortable saying it in person. Because then you never have to worry about inauthenticity, someone walking up to you and saying, oh, I saw that social media post. Let's talk about it. And then you're like, oh, right. Not that that may never happen. But the point is, if you want to live your life the way I love to live my life as an honest, authentic human being, you want to be the same person online that you are when someone meets you outside in your neighborhood, that you are when you're speaking on stages, that you are when you're sitting in a virtual meeting. It needs to all be the same person. And 
often in this day and age, what I'm seeing is, is a, is a separation of identity, if you will. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree with that. And some people are a little different online than they would be in real life insults, things that could come back and uh, haunt you posts from a long time ago. So people really need, I mean, that's definitely not being a master communicator. If you say something online that lasts forever. So so you got to really be careful. Uh, What else, what other themes would you like to cover in your book? Oh, there are, there are just so many themes. As, as I said before, the, the first and foremost, actually my, my first chapter is about discovering your communication home. Because again, starting within, starting with yourself is, is the way to develop into that master communicator. And you have to know why you are most comfortable communicating in the way you do. I give, I have a list that you can choose from that helps you to really identify what kind of communicator am I? I'll use myself as an example. You already know I come from this loud Italian-American family. So where I'm most comfortable communicating is direct verbal interaction. Again, I love texting and emailing just as much as, as the next person. But when push comes to shove, I am making an appointment to see you in person as fast as you can text the word hi. And again, that's because of my upbringing. And all of us have our communication home, which is the way we're most comfortable communicating because of what we're accustomed to from our upbringing. It doesn't have to be just in your household from your mom and dad. It could be if you were someone who was always around your friend's family, or if you happen to be a caretaker of your parents or grandparents, that all affects the way that you're comfortable communicating. And I talk about one of my amazing clients who grew up in a family, and she said this one day in our session, William, and I can talk about it because she gave me full full reign permission to, to talk about this, and I write about it in the book. She talks about how she grew up in a family that was communication phobic. And when she said this phrase, I was like, this is brilliant. It's brilliant because it's something that so many people face, but they haven't put words to it. And she went on to elaborate that growing up, her family never talked about feelings. They never talked about deep level things. Everything was very surface. How are you? How's your day? Great. That was it. That was it, right. right. So because of that, she feels most comfortable communicating by avoiding. And this is why she started working with me, because she was avoiding all the communication in her life from her husband to her business. And it was causing her a lot of stress. It was causing a lot of tension in her relationships. And in identifying this, we were able to flip the script in her brain and start to experience other styles of communication. And, and she was able to do that just through the awareness of realizing like, wow, I've lived my whole life avoiding so much. And here I am, at this age now, struggling, and I understand why. So I think that that's a really, really powerful chapter in the book. And it's actually chapter one, because it's like, let's start out, let's be really transparent with ourselves. And in the book, I'm your guide, right? I'm here to, let's call this out for ourselves, because nothing is solved without first self-awareness. Good point. And you do have those little sections where you can ask while you're reading along, you respond to questions. You have the reader respond to questions to get a better idea of where they're at, their, their self-understanding. Yeah. In the book, what my favorite part is in each chapter, I have a reflection section. 
And there are a set of questions related to what the topic is in the chapter. And it gives the reader a chance to fully absorb what was just read. I love reading. So for me, I love this. I love being able to kind of take the time to journal, think about what I just read instead of just moving on to the next chapter. Because what happens? We absorb about seven to 10% of what we read. We finish the book, it goes on our shelf. And then as Tony Robbins says, it becomes shelf knowledge. But for me, I'm interested. I love personal development. I love the world of, of self-help and doing whatever I can to expand myself and my understanding of the world. So by having that reflection section, it gives you a chance to, to take a second, pause, and really allow that information to be digested. Right. And I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you've got it. You have like your different styles to people and identify with was a peacekeeper, passion player, laid back. So you've kind of typified other people's styles. Maybe when they read through your book, they can get a better understanding of where they're at in communication. And I, right now, communicating is so important to everywhere. Maybe 100, 200 years ago, writing or you talk to your family and that might be it. But now, you can talk to people all over the world. I've talked to people all over the world, Israel, Europe. So very important to be a very skilled, if not master communicator. I definitely agree with that. Um, is there anything you'd like to add? Anything I missed before we wrap it up? We're at about 33 minutes. I think I think we got it all. You know, as it's so funny. As we talk about the book, I get even more excited for my readers to read it. Like I'm just so excited, William, because I I put my heart and soul in this book, but I also know that as you just said, this is such, such a vital topic for us now. We need this now because technology is only advancing. If we don't get a, a grip on how we want to show up in our lives, how we want to show up in our interaction with one another, then we can so easily get pulled away, right? We can be, we can become the most distracted creatures in the world if we don't take a second to ground ourselves and and figure out what we want and how we want to connect in our personal relationships and our professional ones right and that's the whole balancing like you got to figure this out we have a new technology how are we going to balance all that stuff and you have kind of a reference to a website you have a website do you want to promote that website now is it a free Ab gift absolutely yes 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 well um the website I want to promote actually is for the pre-order of the book because the okay, book cool. is available to pre-order. And the exciting thing, William, is that when you pre-order through Barnes and Noble, uh, through my link, becomingamastercommunicator.com, you get two free incredible bonuses. The first one is 21 ways to use communication to increase business opportunities. And the second one is an introspective video journaling tool. And this is a tool that I actually have in my book, but these two uh, bonuses that you get are amazing because you can start to use them right away, skyrocket your communication skills, and it'll get you excited for the book. Yeah. And there's so much we, the, that's in the book. There's many more chapters involved. We kind of just covered the first third maybe, but again, the, what, so the website is www.becomingamastercommunicator.com, correct? Absolutely. So okay, the cool. title of the book, yep. www.becomingamastercommunicator.com. And I will put that in the show notes. And again, the title of the book by Renee Marino, which will be out in early 2022 is becoming a master communicator, balancing new school technology, with old school simplicity. Thank you, Renee. Thank you so much. Right, take care. So hold on, stay there. Okay, that was perfect.